<laughs> wow, okay, that was encouraging. Thank you guys, I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate when people expect people to clap for when I come up on stage. Thank you, Matt. Anyway, um, <laughs> now Matt said he called me out because he's had a look at my notes before this, but I didn't say, hi everyone, how are you guys going? You guys gave such a good response for Matt telling you to clap for me, but you're just going to, some of you aren't going to answer that question? Come on. Okay, so I'm going to try and dive into the serious stuff, even though I have to try and follow what the last thing you ate. I pointed out the last thing I ate was actually a decent meal, so I was like, hmm, I might last a while, but it's kind of boring. So there you guys go. Um, I wanted to start by doing what we always kind of do, where I'm partway through a series, so I'm going to try and recap what the person talked about last time. Normally this would be a fun struggle for me where it's like, okay, I have to remember what the person said last week and try and give the best version of what they did in a really, really short time. This time it's actually me. So it feels easier but also harder because I'm like, hmm, maybe I didn't make that point as well as I wanted to. But we've had a podcast in between, so we've all forgotten, right? Um, no, what I talked about last time was that we were supposed, everything we do in life we were supposed to do without grumbling, Right? We're talking about how we respond in faith to people and how we respond to our faith in everyday situations. And that is to do everything that we can and everything that, we, everything that we're called to do without grumbling. And how it's no good to walk around being like, oh, I have to do sound again. <laughs> I have to do sound 17 times in the next three months. Can't get over it. Or, um, no. We're supposed to do stuff with the heart that we come to our faith with. And that's because it actually makes a huge difference to the world around us. There's a big difference between John rocking up here today and getting grumpy at everyone, because I know John will love the fact that I said that he's here, and, <laughs> and being like, ah, silly worship team needing things in their fold backs and needing to hear things and needing me to work hard. No, instead, it makes a huge difference when you rock up and you go, what can I do to help you? How can I serve you? How can I love you? It makes a huge difference. It shows who God is. It shows who we are in God. And it can actually, without saying anything about your faith, it can really display that you have one. Because in the world, it's really easy to find people who do their jobs begrudgingly. So, God calls us to be different. So, that was my uh, brief wrap-up of what I did last time. Man, I wish I could have just done that and left. Like, that would have been like a, here's what I'm saying, bye. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tonight we're going to continue along, kind of in the same vein. Um, so, if you guys have your Bibles here, I'd encourage you guys to open to Philippians 3, verse 1 through 11. Glad I read that right. So, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. There we go, that word came out wrong. Um, <laughs> or went to. For it, is who, for it is we who are circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in, uh, faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, 
to know the power of his resurrection and, participa- and participation in sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining, the, to the resurrection, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Cool. That's a lot. That was a long one. I was saying to Matt earlier, they either give me big chunks or like 12 words, nothing in between. So I'm going to just stop and I'm going to have a pray for a second and we're going to start going through this because it is a lot to get through and I promise I won't keep you here all night. If you'd be so kind, join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for being here tonight and the fact that we're all in this room, you're here with us. God, I just pray that you were in the worship before this. I pray that you'll be in what I'm about to say. I pray that you'll be guiding the words, shaping them, allowing them to come out in some semblance of order. God, I pray that you would uh, use me to speak to everyone here's hearts, including my own. And God, I just pray that you would be moving through this and you would do the things that I can't. Amen. Cool. So, I found something interesting. And this, this entire chapter, after the further, says, Rejoice in the Lord. Now, this is quite a common saying. They actually compare it to, this is the New Testament's version of saying hallelujah in the Old Testament. In this letter alone, Paul says it 15 times. He says this exact set of phrases, he talks about rejoice, he talks about joy, because it's the same root word, 15 times. That's why directly after this he says, hey, I'm not getting tired of writing it, and you still need to hear it. Um, I don't know about you, but when someone says something to me 15 times in the correspondence of one text, it probably means they want me to remember. Maybe, just a little. So, um, yeah, he immediately follows it with like, okay, I've said rejoice in the Lord. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing it, but I'm not tired of saying it and it's still a safeguard for you. And I think it's really important that we kind of take a second to realize that sometimes we are that thick, that dense. We need someone to look at us and 15 times just go, Matt, rejoice in the Lord. Just come on, do it. And they'll turn away and say something else. And they'll be like, I said rejoice in the Lord. Eventually it sticks. So that's why he starts off like this where he comes from, don't grumble, he says, people, he says to people to instead rejoice in the Lord. So, the next bit, I'm not going to repeat the whole thing because it takes up quite the chunk, but the next bit is talking about watch out for those dogs, evildoers, mutilators, all of these words. In the context of the time, the church hadn't been around for very long. This is still early church. Jesus has died, I can't remember the exact year, but this is fairly close to just the church forming and figuring out what it's going to do. So there were Christians who came from the, like, all other faiths and the Jewish faith coming together. And in these days, the Jewish faith, the people who came from the Jewish faith, some of them were like, no, 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 we had to get this thing done called circumcision. You can't really have a faith in God unless you do that thing too. No, 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 you can't. We had to do it, so do you. Now, Paul starts when directing, directly responding to these people and he starts with answering what they've said. He starts with, we are the ones who are the circumcision which sounds like a bit of a weird sentence, but what he means is we are the people who live in faith. These things are just the, these are the rituals that you had to do. These are the things that you had to go out of your way to do to show your faith. We are people of faith. So he says that it goes much deeper. And I think he kind of pivots from this point. He directly answers what they're saying, but then he kind of, Jesus did this a lot too, but Paul kind of pivots. He starts here and he answers directly what they're saying and he goes, directly into answering the heart of their problem, directly in the heart of what they were saying, which is, hey, you need to do these things to be good enough. The Jewish faith had the law. They were like, nope, you have to follow these rules. You have to do these things to attain faith. You need to be a certain level of good 
before you can do absolutely anything, before you can be considered worthy of God's love, before you can be considered worthy of anything. Paul kind of smacks that idea around by just saying, nope, that's not how it works anymore. He goes through, so, sorry, he goes through before going into a list of his own achievements that no, 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 everything else is considered less than the faith we have. Works are still okay. Like, he's not saying don't do them. He's just saying, hey, in comparison to faith and grace, they mean nothing. So, here's actually where the main point, I think, of this entire scripture lies before Paul goes into an example. So, I'm going to follow his suit. He's going to go into an example, then I'm going to go into an example, and we'll get to the point after that, I promise. So, these early Christians had not been keeping the main thing the main thing. It sounds really simple, but the Christians who were asking them, hey, you have to get circumcised, hey, you have to follow all these rules, they weren't actually living in faith with them. They weren't in step. They were trying to get them to form to their mold not this new faith and not this new grace that they had been offered. They were trying to take them back to the old and comfortable way. Notably, if I lived in an old and comfortable way, I'd be sitting where John is and Matt would be up here preaching. God doesn't call us to stay the same. So, let's get into the next set of verses, which is Paul talking about his achievements. So, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for Zeal, I per- persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now, this sounds like Paul bragging. He immediately said, hey, don't do this thing with the law. That's not what we're doing anymore. And then he goes, oh yeah, but here's all the ways that I met it. I don't think he's bragging here. I think he's actually pointing out, hey, I used to think exactly like you. I did all of the things that you can do. And I've realized now that I am where I am, man, it didn't mean as much as grace. And I think I really relate to Paul on a whole bunch of levels, and I'll get into more detail about that if you want to talk to me about it. But Paul, some people think, had an eyesight problem. He used to sign his name real big. He used to get other people to write his letters that he would say to them and then sign off at the end of them to be like, hey, yeah, I approved this letter but he'd sign off real big to the point where they reference the fact that Paul had a large signature. (laughs) I also have a large signature because I cannot see properly. I relate to that. But also, I relate to Paul looking at this and going like, hey, my main thing is, for me it was, I have intelligence. I'm smart. I've always known it. I'm not the smartest person on the planet by no means, but I've always been able to learn things. I used to rely on that as my main thing. I would rely on the fact that I was completely independent from needing other people. I had too many people walk out in my life to be dependent on anyone. And this was a point of strength for me, not a point of weakness. And then I had an ability to make friends. I could be fiercely independent, but if I wanted to hang around with people, I was always okay at making friends. I went to 13 different, high, I went to 13 different schools in 12 years. I didn't have no friends. I made friends wherever I went. And these were my big three, right? They were the social... They were the intellectual, and these are the pillars that I built myself upon, and the independence. And some of you guys probably, I reference the fact that I can't see, but some of you guys probably haven't heard a story, so I'm going to, bear with me, I may get emotional, I don't talk about this the proper way in front of a lot of people usually. So, when I was 12 turning 13, grade 8, you know, the fun time to have something go devastatingly wrong in your life, I got told, hey Chris, by the time you're 13, you're not going to be able to see... How many fingers I'm holding up from three meters in front of you? 
This takes something that to everyone else is so normal and is so paramount to who you are as a person and it just shattered it for me. Now, again, that took the independence and went, have fun doing anything when you can't see anything. It took my intelligence and went, hmm, books are meaningless if you can't see what the writing says. It took my ability to make friends and it made me awkward because I, I was angry. And now, I think how this relates to Paul's story is, again, I was in a place where I could say, I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing the main things. This is great. But then they all got taken away and I was shown the fragility of them. And for five years... I went around depressed, angry, and really not wanting to be around anymore. Because one-fifth of how I interact with the world was gone. Probably more like one-sixth, because I still have a little bit. But, <laughs> but what had happened was, what Paul's talking about, I've had my, fa- my confidence in myself and my confidence in my works replaced with a confidence in faith. I had none of that. I'd had the main thing, the main things that I considered important in my life, gone. And nothing to fill that void. No way to put my confidence, no way to put my hope. And understandably, 12 year old who already, 12 going on 13, already feels like misplaced in the world because that's what all 12 and 13 year olds feel. And now I can't see. I didn't know how to interact with it. I got mad, I got quiet. I made jokes to pretend like I was okay with it. And I stayed that way for five years until the story has a happier ending I'm still here it's okay and I promise I'm not that sad about it anymore some days no (laughs) but um, I found that faith I found the confidence that Paul was talking about that all these things I was putting the weight in (laughs) they don't matter anymore I have the one thing that could make a difference to me and for me that meant that I went really hard at it Any of the people who were around when I first came to faith will know that I tried absolutely everything to run at it as hard as I could. Face face planting repeatedly, both physically and metaphorically. Running into poles, literally. Doing lots of these things that I can now laugh at because I'm in a far better place than I was because God didn't leave me where I was. So, how am I going to relate this to my point? Well, am I perfect and is Paul perfect? Is that what either of us are trying to get across with these stories? Far from it. Anyone who's played video games with me for long enough knows that I still have quite the trouble with my tongue. I will say things that are quite harsh, um, even about my friends, especially if they're doing poorly, even if I'm doing poorly. Um, (laughs) But what we both are noting here is the fact that it's the confidence in Christ and it's the faith that makes the difference. When I was first doing research into this, I actually found a really cool story I'm going to have to scroll for a while because I skipped a whole bunch of notes without looking at it, is that, oh yeah, here we go. I found a story that was actually talking about a preacher from the 1700s who fell asleep and had a dream. I know, not uncommon, it gets better. He had a dream that he was standing in front of the gates of heaven and like most people who were devout Catholic at the time, he was a Catholic, they believed that you were, they came face to face with St. Peter, who was holding a big book and was ready to decide if this man was going to be allowed into heaven. Seems like a pretty safe bet if you've been living like that, right? Well, St. Peter gives him a surprise announcement. You're going to need 100 points to get inside this gate. And the preacher goes, well, okay. He says proudly, 
I've been a minister 47 years. And St. Peter goes, well done, that's pretty cool. One point. He goes, what? What do you mean that's one point? He goes, okay, that's, what, that's all I get for 47 years? And he's like, yep, that's correct. The minister gets concerned of this scoring system and immediately tries to rattle off some more things. He goes, but I, I worked with youth. There's another point. But, but I served in a, home, a homeless shelter. Okay, there's another point. And he comes up with one more. Ah, that's it. But all of the people in my congregation loved me and I helped them through so many tough points. And he goes, okay, yep, that's, that's one more point. He goes, you're going to need 96 more. And he goes, ah, oh, mm, I don't, mm. And he thinks real hard and he goes, wait, wait, I believed in Christ and I had grace. And he goes, well, lucky for you that counts for 96 points. You get through. Ah, the grace of God. There you go. <laughs> so, both Paul and I want to, like, to talk about the fact that these things are meaningless. Sounds depressing when you think about them, when you think about it in that exact context and don't add anything more to it. But what, what he's saying is in comparison. I think we're very good at having these things that we would try to bring before God and go, hey, do I get a point? Hey, do I get two? Do I get ten? Do I get the points that I need? Is that how that works? And he's sitting there going, nope. <laughs> Your point system broke. So, doesn't mean that all of the things that we could possibly put our attention into, doesn't mean that my intelligence, doesn't mean that my ability to make friends, doesn't mean that my independence is bad? No. Does it mean that Paul doing all of the things that he did for God are bad? No. Again, we come back to this point where it's, they're not the main thing. They're not allowed to be the main thing. They're just a thing. It's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's not the main one. Somehow I turned my Siri on and it got all of those words right. Go Siri. And then she said, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so do I think this is a one-time commitment and then you're all good? Yes, definitely. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a constant struggle. These things still vie for top position in my life. On days, I still rely on my intelligence to be able to do research. On days, I still rely on these things and they become the main things in my life. I'll look at it and go, no, 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 I don't need to pay attention to that thing. I've got my friends around. This is great. But it's not what we're supposed to do. It can't bear the weight of everything else. So, I guess the important part to reflect on now is what do I do with that? That's great information, Chris. Cool sap story. I love it. I'm sad for you. Whatever you need to hear right now, it's fine. No, I think there's an application here. It's we can actually stop and we can think, what are these things, what could I do better to not let these things become my main thing? And while writing this, I came up with a list. Of course I did. Can you guess what they are? Prayer, Bible reading, time with God, time listening to worship music. I do that one a lot. Time in a church-focused community. I could give you all of these lists. But while they're all great things, I can't from up here tell all of you individually what the thing is that you need to do. I couldn't. I can't even see half of you. How could I tell you anything? I can just tell that you're all there and I can tell Neil's there because he's bright yellow shirt. <laughs> and I wanted us to take a sec to actually center on what is the main thing right now. What are the things that compete with that? How do we respond to that? What does God actually want us to do with that? Now, this is going to be easier said than done because 
We're all very good at being task-oriented, and we'll go like, here's a list of things and I'm going to do poorly, or you'll rate yourself on how well you do later. But again, there's also the encouragement that it's the grace of God which gets us through. So we need to take these things, we need to run at them as hard as we can, acknowledge that we're going to fail, get up and run again. If everyone stopped the first time they fell over, well, I know I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. (laughs) So, I guess there are two songs coming up after this sermon. One of them is This Is Our God, and one of them is Fresh Wind. While thinking through the last little bit of this, what I wanted you guys to do, and how I wanted you guys to interact with this sermon, I came up with the fact that This Is Our God talks a lot about who he is and how we interact with him. I thought it'd be really cool if while you guys are singing, if you can do that, if not, you can sit down and actually think and pray too. I would encourage you guys to reflect on who he is. This is our God. We're going to sing a lot about who he is. And then Fresh Wind, I'd encourage you guys during that song to invite him in. It's good to just sit there and go, God, I know who you are, but you can stay over there. I'm over here. Instead, I want you guys to sit there and reflect and pray and go, hey, God, I know where I'm at. You know where I'm at. Can you be in where I'm going? Can you help me keep the main thing the main thing? And then, I'm going to encourage you guys to do one more thing, which is even scarier. Talk to somebody. Tell them whatever God told you. If you're praying and God tells you something for someone else, maybe have a conversation with them and see how that goes. Encourage them. Pray with them. Walk alongside them. Do the community part of church. That's why we're called to a big community, because we need it. So I'd encourage you guys, look for that accountability. Look for the friends. Look for all of these things after taking everything to God and making sure that he's the center of it all. I know, that's a list. hope you guys can remember it. But this will just help you in small ways and in big ones that you don't expect that it'll help you keep the main thing the main thing. So, I know that was possibly quick, but I'm going to invite the team up and I'm going to pray because I think we should just start this time off in a in a good place, a solid connection with him. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the way that you've constructed, sorry, you've used the life that we have to draw us closer to you. That you don't let people stay in a defeated state if they come to you. You help them find victory. Not in a way that they may expect, not in a way that they may want, but in a way that they need. God, I just pray for us now as we reflect in these next two songs, I just pray that you'll be in these songs, in our hearts, really just showing us where you want us to go, what you want us to do. God, I pray that you would be, if we don't do this often, I pray that you'd be in this, helping us to get past that awkward phase of, oh God, we haven't really talked for a while. God, I just pray that you would uh, use the rest of this time in the service and you'd use the food afterwards and the friends afterwards to help us get that little bit closer, run at you that little bit harder and help us to get back up when we inevitably fall. God, I love you, we love you, and I just pray that you'll be in this next bit of time. Amen.